Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We are starting a new series this weekend entitled Stumbling Blocks. And uh, the burden for this comes from something Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I came so that you may have life and life more abundantly. And this series um, is really gonna be about looking at the stumbling blocks that I've kind of watched over the last two plus decades as a follower of Jesus in ministry, vocational ministry. Uh, the Kind of the, the biggest stumbling blocks I've seen get in the way of people experiencing the fullness of the abundant life Jesus died to give us. And this weekend, we're starting off with the topic that probably was the biggest stumbling block for me, and that's pride. This whole week preparing for this message has been really somber, uh, and there's been a little bit of crying involved in our time alone together because I, I just go back to my early 20s and I think about uh, what a wreck I was. And pride was the reason. I was the reason. But pride was a choice I was making constantly. And so uh, I, I don't brag saying this. I'm actually embarrassed somewhat to say this. Uh, but I'm quite qualified to teach on this subject tonight. I earned a doctorate in pride. And I crammed it into just a couple of years. I crammed a lot of learning into a couple of years. And here's my heart. Before I, I came out, I told the Lord, help me reach the young me. Help me stop the old me and help me convict the now me. Because everybody in the room is in the room is in one of those three spots. Where I was in my 20s, which was struggling completely with pride. And if you were immediately quick to say, I am not struggling with pride right now, there's a decent chance you are. <laughs> or you may be later in life and you've struggled with it in the past, but it creeps up every once in a while and gets in the way and costs you something. Or maybe you're kind of where I find myself today, and that's deathly afraid of pride. Some of the most expensive mistakes I've ever made have come because of my pride. And one of the biggest things I've learned, and I hope you're taking notes because it's taken me many, many years to learn these horrible lessons. And if you're not taking notes, would you take notes because the person close to you might be struggling with pride and they don't want to act like they are. And they they think, well, if I take notes, then people are going to know I'm struggling with pride. So let's just all take notes and make it easy for those of us struggling with pride to take notes. Here's one of the biggest things I've learned about pride. Pride 
is the most difficult form of idolatry to discern in yourself because the idol is yourself. Yeah, we're just starting right there. Pride is really hard to spot when it's a stronghold in your life. The scary part is everybody around you knows whether you do or not. It's really, really obvious, just like it was with me. And I wanna, I wanna give you four things I've learned about pride, and then we're gonna worship at the end. We're gonna exalt the Lord. Here's point number one. The problem with pride is where it started. What makes pride so dangerous is where it started. Even more specifically, who started it? Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17, I know for those of you who are theologians in the room, I know this is literally speaking, but figuratively literally, speaking of the king of Tyre. But it is completely literally speaking of Lucifer. Because we know in verse 16, it's speaking of a cherub, a, a high-ranking angel. And we know that's not the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre was influenced by Satan to do all of the evil that he did. Okay, but I just want to show you where pride started. This is speaking of Lucifer. Your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Jesus in Luke chapter 10 says when his disciples come back and they're, they're all excited about casting out demons, and Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay, th this is corroborating evidence, what we're reading. And so is Isaiah chapter 14. So if you turn there, let's read it together. Isaiah 14, starting in verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, speaking of Lucifer, O shining star, that's actually what the name Lucifer means, bright one or shining star. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. Hillel ben Sahar is what that phrase is, right, that, that name. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, now listen, Ezekiel 28 shows us, pride started, started with Satan, but Isaiah 14 shows us what it looked like. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Incidentally, I love that he says the most high because there's only one most high. <laughs> it makes me think of Revelation twenty-two sixteen. The, the second to the last words recorded by Jesus at the end of the Bible. The last words are, hey, yo, I'm coming soon. Okay, that, that's my paraphrase right there, okay? But right before that, Jesus says, I am the source of David as well as the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. I tell you all the time that, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit 
in my opinion, as I read through scripture, are highly rub it in your face kind of people. I'm not being literal with the word people, but you know what I mean when I say that. Jesus is saying, I believe he's literally talking to and about Satan. You're a pretender. You're mimicking me by trying to be bright like me, but I'm the light of life, the light of the world. I alone am the bright morning star. You can have your nickname, but I alone am the bright morning star. Satan wanted to ascend to secure the throne. And this, pride, I will be like God most high. This, pride, caused his fall from heaven. Here's another way to say it. Lucifer was creation's first narcissist. I flinch every time I hear that word. That word is a very serious thing. And we kind of throw it around. And I've even had people tell me, you know, you know what they say, Preston, all senior pastors have some narcissism in them. Now, I don't laugh when they say it, nor do I agree. And don't put that on me. I tried it. It was the worst season of my whole life. Please don't sarcastically say that. I might struggle every once in a while. My flesh might poke up its head. I do not want anything to do with the spirit of narcissism because Satan is its originator. It's why he fell. Pride costs Lucifer everything. And here's what you need to know. Now he's trying to stick you with the bill. He is trying everything he possibly can to get you to fall the way he did. That brings us to point number two. The danger of pride is what Satan can do with it. The danger of pride is what Satan can do with it. Now here's, I think, one of the, if not the most scary one-liners in this message. Everywhere pride is welcome, Satan is working. You could go even further than that. Everywhere pride is, Satan is. This is why I've spent all week not just crying, but being a little bit scared. Because I realize how much I was holding hands with the enemy. I, I, I took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. I'm not preaching this next weekend, but the weekend after that, I'm going to preach on insecurity. That's the next stumbling, stumbling block because the whole point of pride is to cover insecurity. Ask me how I know. It's why I did what I did. It's why I was a, 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 a peacock everywhere I walked because I wanted to, to distract you from what I knew was true about me. The real danger of pride is what Satan can do with it because everywhere pride is, Satan is. Let me show you a couple of things that Satan can do with your pride. First, he can dethrone God in your heart. The danger of pride is not just that it seeks to enthrone you in your life. It is in doing so, it seeks to dethrone God in your heart. Psalm 10 verse 4, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. 
in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. I had no idea this is what he was doing. I, I, I honestly, this sounds so stupid, but I thought Satan w- was encouraging me. I thought he was telling me how awesome I was when I didn't think anybody else was. I, I thought he was telling me how I deserved things because I was something. And I took the bait, but I didn't know what he was doing. He was crowding out my mind so there was no room for even a thought about God. This is dangerous. And we all fight this. Not one among us can say, I've never had a proud moment in my life. Because if you do, you just had it. You just had one. We all battle this. It's just to different measures and levels. Satan tries to get me, I'll personalize it, to worship me. Because if I'll worship me, I'm not worshiping him. Can you see it? Pride's favorite tribute is to itself. Not to God, it's to me. And the ultimate result of pride is we elevate ourselves to the place of God. Satan can dethrone God in my heart with pride. Here's the second thing Satan can do with my pride. He can steal my peace. Satan can steal my peace using my pride. Romans 8 verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What is the epitome of carnally minded? A me-focused mind. Where my whole life is about me. Look what scripture says. That leads to death. But a spirit-minded man or woman leads to life and peace. But a me-focused mind robs me of peace. One of the most expensive things pride destroys is my peace. Here's why. The pride of man quenches the peace of God. To the extent that I have the pride of man is the extent to which I lose the peace of God. I've lived it. The worst season of my life was the most proud season of my life. I had no peace. Holly can tell you. I was an absolute walking stress ball. And people ask me, not all the time, but from time to time, they'll say, hey, is leading our church stressful to you? And I don't fully explain, but I want to say it's not nearly as stressful as you think. I'm not saying it's, it's without stress. But I'm telling you, if you had lived what I've lived, I've lived what it's like to do what God made me to do all by myself. No, this is not stressful because he's here. He's doing it. I have very little to do with this. 
so it doesn't stress me out. That stressed me out. I had no peace because all I had was pride. It's impossible to have peace when you are addicted to your pride. Satan wants your life to be all about you because he wants the pressure to pull it off to be all on you. I didn't know this is what he was doing. He'd get me all stirred up. You're the man. You got this. You can do this. You're better at this than all of your friends and peers. And I'd be like, yes, I am. You're right. I didn't know what he was doing. He was actually subversively getting me to put all the pressure on myself. And I remembered the sermon. I remembered the exact sermon I preached when I learned this lesson the hard way. There were some men. Uh, I was pastoring seven, our young adults ministry in Dallas that Brooke and I started. And uh, there were some men there who own a very, very successful and large Christian media company. And they were there to uh, basically just see if, if my content, they'd watch some stuff, and they were there to just see in person, uh, you know, whatever. And my stupid self forgot about all the people who were there to encounter Jesus. And all I thought about the whole week was those two men. And I remember walking up to the podium, and in my heart, my feet had some swagger, I'm not gonna lie. And my heart had a statement, and here was the statement I made in my heart. I remember the moment I said it. I got this. And I kind of pinned my shoulders back a little bit. And it wasn't an I can do this. What my heart was saying was I'm so good at this, I can do this by myself. I don't need any help. And right in that moment, I felt the God of the universe go, okay. And if you've ever heard me use the one-liner, when pride walks onto the stage, God walks off, that's where I learned it. Okay. To this day, I think that's the worst message I've ever preached in my life. And what's wild is I didn't fully know in the moment that God was backing up. I, I felt it, but I didn't know what it meant. I watched those two men in that room. There were hundreds, probably around six, 700 young adults. I didn't care about any of them. I was watching those two men, the whole message. And it was excruciating to watch their faces. And I deserved it. Satan got me to buy into the lie that I can do this all by myself. And I didn't know what he was doing. He was just trying to get all the pressure on me to pull it off by myself. This is what he can do with your pride. And there are so many other things he can do. But he can take your peace. And he can dethrone God in your heart. Just using your pride, my pride. 
Here's the third point. There are promises from God based on if you walk in it. There are actually promises in Scripture about pride from God. Remember, Proverbs in the Bible are not the perspective of men. They're promises of God. So let me just read you a couple. Here's the first promise from God. Pride always causes a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Want to know why Satan tries to lift us up using pride? Let me tell you why. Pride builds you up so you'll have a greater distance to fall. God promises, Preston, it always leads to a fall. This is why when I heard an extremely godly man when I was younger say, you can't fall when you live on your face. And something went off like a bomb in my heart and I said, that's the key for me. Because as a younger man, I thought the key was convincing everybody you were strong and you could do it. And you had all the answers. So I faked it all the time. But I fell asleep every night knowing the truth of who I really was all by myself. God promises, Preston, pride causes a fall every time. Do you like to fall, son? You, you enjoy breaking bones? Emotionally? Mentally? Spiritually? You enjoy that feeling? No, I do not. No, it's self can't fall when you live on your face. <laughs> One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, God goes on record and he, he's speaking really uh, for ad finitum, in my opinion, to ministers, to vocational pastors. And he says, when building an altar, don't build steps. For if you do, and you walk up those steps, the people will take view of your nakedness beneath your robe. I remember the day he showed me that verse and said, cupcake, that was for you. Preston, they're going to try and do this to you. And if you live in insecurity, you're going to let them. That's why one of the biggest wrestling matches of my life has been over my identity in Christ, which is what we're going to talk about in two weeks. You like to fall, Preston? No, sir. Then don't take his bait. Don't try pride. There's another thing that God promises in his word. Pride always leads to being humiliated. Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humiliation. It doesn't get any more simple than that. Preston, pride ends in you being embarrassed every time. Pride highlights my foolishness and allows the world to see it with ease. I remember the time. Pastor Robert, back in the day, it was the first time I was doing oversight where he was out of town. And that was kind of a big deal to be trusted in that way by him. 
back then. And, and Pastor Jimmy Evans was preaching that weekend. And I was in the height of my stupidity, okay? My, my pride was at an all-time high for no reason, okay? Remember, the reason my pride was at an all-time high was because my insecurity was at an all-time low, my security, but you know what I mean. And so I remember saying to Holly, Robert's gone this weekend. Jimmy's preaching the message. Jimmy hadn't seen me in a while, but I've grown since he saw me. I've gotten stronger and better. And it's communion weekend. I remember saying to my wife, this is going to be the best communion Jimmy Evans has ever seen. And then the oh-so-dangerous words, I'm going to destroy this communion, came out of my mouth. And I think the Lord just giggled and went, truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> back then, we used to sit on the stage back here, uh, and so I'm sitting next to Pastor Jimmy in worship, waiting for communion, and I mean, I'm just, just let me at him. It was like scrappy-doo, just let me at him. I, I got this. And I walk up, and somewhere between there and here, to this day, I'm convinced a spirit of confusion came on me. Because between there and here, my mind got so scrambled, I couldn't remember which element goes first. I am literally, while I'm doing, I'm having my words, sharing the word. I won't say that God gave me, the word that I crafted. And while I'm talking to the people, I am having a conversation with myself. And it went like this. Oh, my Lord. I can't remember which one goes first. Is it the cup or the bread? Surely it's the blood. I had to make a choice. Surely it's the cup. So I bless the cup first. Yeah, yeah. You think that's the worst part. So while I'm blessing the cup, it's like for a split second, the spirit of confusion lifted and I went, oh my Lord, it's the bread first. Everybody knows, you'll wash it down after. <laughs> and then my next thought, confusion came back on. The next thought was, surely they got it right. They know better than me. I'm pot committed at this point. <laughs> I bless the cup a second time. <laughs> I am not making this up. And while I was blessing the cup a second time, I saw 90 plus percent of the room eating the bread. <laughs> and I went and sat down next to Pastor Jimmy. And I couldn't even look at him. I destroyed communion, all right. I think we're going to get to heaven, and there's going to be an award for the one person in the history of communion who blessed the cup twice and didn't bless the bread once. I am he. <laughs> I 
got more stories than I have time to tell. I can laugh about them now, but I assure you God wasn't laughing then. Disgrace comes with pride. But I'll give you a little bit of good news. That's kind of the, the scary promise. Disgrace always comes with pride. But his grace always comes with humility. Proverbs 25, 7, one of the most important verses to me. Because when I was at my peak and, and I was in Houston with Holly in this real big suite downtown and I was, uh, I had the opportunity to accept what most of my friends would say was the most high profile youth pastor job in the country at the time. And it was in that hotel room that the Lord broke my kneecaps. It made me fall to my knees. And he did it with three passages of scripture and, and Proverbs 25, 7 was one of them. Better to wait for an invitation from the king than to push your way into a seat at the king's table and be publicly disgraced. Can I speak to the young people for a moment? And here's what I'd say is young, anything younger than me. Pride always leads to disgrace. And here's what happens. In ambition, we move forward in pride. And we hurry things up. And we end up taking things God didn't give. And let me tell you the lesson I have learned, young man, young woman. That anytime you take something God doesn't give, you always eventually lose it. Better to wait patiently for a decade than to push your way into a seat at the king's table and be publicly disgraced. Here's the last thing I'll show you that God promises. Pride creates distance between me and God. Psalm 138, verse 6, a very scary verse for my pride. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble. But he keeps his distance from the proud. I'm absolutely shooting straight with you why when I feel pride try and creep up in my life, I try and snap the neck of that thing isn't because I'm afraid of the fall. It's because I'm afraid of the distance. I don't want to live like that. I want to abide. I want to abide. And when I'm focused on me, worshiping on me, I can't abide in him. And he won't abide with me. His manifest presence. I know he never leaves us or forsake us. Please don't try and, and start going down that path. God's not contradicting himself. But I can tell you from experience, I went nine straight months and did not experience the manifest presence of God, nor did I feel like I heard the voice of God one time for nine straight months. I remember three months in, I told one of my friends who was from Austin at the time, 
He was in town in Southlake and we were at P.F. Chang's and I was crying and I told him, I haven't heard God speak to me for three months and I've had to preach 10 times. I can't go another 30 days like this. It lasted six more months. And here's what I learned. It isn't that God stops talking. It's that pride keeps me from listening. One of the scariest places to be in this life is anywhere you have trouble hearing the voice of God. (laughs) I get asked every once in a while, what's your biggest fear as the pastor of this church? And I think a lot of people think it has to do with money. I am not worried about money. Here's why. Because my daddy isn't talking to me about money. (laughs) This is his responsibility. It's not mine. Money isn't my number one fear. You know what it is? Not hearing God's voice. It is my number one fear in this life that I would not be able to hear God's voice. And I have learned the hard way, the fastest way to stop hearing his voice is worship yourself. Walk in pride. The Bible says God keeps his distance from the proud. First 10 years after my kneecaps got broken by the Lord, I tried not to walk in fear because I was afraid of the fall. But the last 10 years, it's because I'm afraid of the distance. Maybe it's just me. But one of the ways I let him know I don't ever want him to be far from me is I try and do my best as it relates to pride. And I I am not saying I'm perfect. Everyone around me can tell you I have moments. But I don't ever want to go back to where one moment turns into a month, which then turns into a miserable season. God says, I keep my distance from the proud. And that leads us to point number four. Good news, there is a way to overcome it. There is a way to overcome pride. I'm not going to spend much time here. I felt like I needed to spend the bulk of the time making a case how scary and dangerous pride is. Overcoming pride is actually quite easy. Two things. First, to overcome pride, you have to exalt the God of the universe. (laughs) How many times, if you've been here for any amount of time, have you heard me use those words? The God of the universe. I say it all the time, but... None of you have ever asked me why. This is why. It's one of the little boy's ways of exalting his God. Yes, he's the God who is with me and abides with me, but he is the God of the universe. One of my favorite moments in the entire Bible is in the middle of the the biggest, most significant offering in all of human history. Listen to what King David says, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. He just wrote the single biggest check 
humanity would ever see anyone right to the God of the universe. And listen to what he says. He could have been cocky. He could have proclaimed the number and just bragged about it for days and days and days. Listen to what he says. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. You're the great one, not me. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. In other words, the glory belongs to you, not to me. Yours is the victory. In other words, all of those battles I've won, you were the reason for the victory, not me. And yours is the majesty. People think I'm something. They look at me. They look at my palace. They look at my belongings. Yours is the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. The fastest way to kill my pride is to exalt my God. Solomon clearly knew this about his father because when he dedicated the temple, what did he do? The word exalt literally means to bow. He got on his knees and dedicated the temple from a bowed posture. And they would point at him for centuries and say, he's the one who built it. And he fell on his knees when he dedicated it and said, this isn't about me. I'm the one who is low. You are the one. This is all for, and you are above all things. The fastest way to kill your pride is exalt your God. I remember when the Lord gave me Isaiah 40. If you're struggling with pride, just go read Isaiah 40 every day this week. It will ring your bell. It is so much fun to read through. I love it. I do it several times a year. It talks about God being the one who sits above the circle of the earth and the humans below are like grasshoppers to him. It talks about the stars being created by and held up in their place by him. He is the one above it all. He's the reason for it all. Second way to kill pride. Exalt him, humble yourself. This is my favorite one-liner in the message. We can lose everything with pride. But the only thing we lose with humility is pride. Pride costs me so many things. You know what humility has cost me? Pride. Pride is addicted to focusing on your greatness, but humility is the guaranteed result of fixating on God's greatness. Let me read you kind of a funny Job 25 verses 5 and 6. It's a little bit funny, but it kind of proves the point. God is more glorious than the moon. He shines brighter than the stars. In comparison, people are maggots. We mortals are mere worms. Now, I'm not advocating in any way, shape, or form that you start off your time every day with the Lord by saying, here am I, a maggot, a lowly worm. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, I sleep better because I know my place. 
And my place is here with the worms. I was made from the dust of the ground. I know I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Please don't, don't try and trap me. You know what I'm saying. My flesh, I'm talking about my flesh, belongs on the ground with the worms. If you want to know how I would love to be used by God for the next 20 years of my life, which will probably be my last 20 in vocational ministry full-time. Here's my goal. Because here's what I know. If I leave the worms, I'll end up there really fast, but I'll get thrown. Exalt means to bow low. So make sure he's put in his proper place in my heart, mind, and life. But then I put myself in my proper place. Please hear me. We're not talking about humiliation. I'm not talking about, I can therefore come boldly into the presence of God but not because of anything I've done. He put a marker in James 4.10. I want to show you the number one thing I've learned, and then we're going to worship. James 4.10. Number one thing I've learned about pride. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up in honor. I don't understand how this works. When I tried to walk like this and climb the ladder of man to get the attention of man, I fell every time. But when I let him break, break my kneecaps and I fell, an amazing thing happened in that room that day. He lifted me up. And I'm not talking about before man. I don't want to even think about all that stuff. I do not care. It's not what he and I will talk about for eternity. What you thought of me. When I let him break my kneecaps, I felt my daddy lift me up for the first time in some time. And he wasn't exalting me. He alone is worthy of the glory, the honor, and the praise. He was lifting me up to be with him. And if you struggle with pride, with the last words of this message, I am begging you. Kill it. Let him break your kneecaps. I know you don't know what you look like without pride, but you will love it. Because there's nothing like those moments, and it's not all the time, where you feel like he lifts you up to be close to him, and there's not any pride in the way. There's no me, me, me. It's you, 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 you alone. Pride isn't worth it. 
My wife shouldn't have stayed with me. Robert should have fired me. God should have abandoned me. But maybe one of the only reasons I got to live through to tell the story was to try and stop the young me. To try and remind the old me and try and convict the now me. We bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.